Brain tails are buff. All right. Tonight. <laughs> <I'm-> <laughs> Tonight on Rogue Padron, pressure patches and squealy noises, another slugging match, and a hand-shaking incident. This is Rogue Leader. All wings report in. Rogue 6, standing by. Rogue 7, standing by. Rogue 3, standing by. Listeners, welcome to Mission One, Season Seven of Rogue Padron. Today we're seven. seven. We're still here. Who who would have thought? To be completely honest, I did not think we would make it this far. (laughs) I'm a little impressed. Your faith. Unlike Doctor Tan (laughs) Fan, we are still trucking along. Still here. We're up there again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. So today we're starting X-Wing Solo Command with chapters 1 through 3. But before that, quick reminder of your hosts. There's Heath, Rogue 3, and if he was a music festival, he would be Governor's Ball because he's stuck in New York and he's actually a little bit cool. Oh, that's nice. I am stuck in New York. Yep. Danny, Rogue 6, would be Bumbershoot because although there's a lot of music, more importantly, there's a huge improv in the comedy stage. Hey, I did improv once. And it was so good. You were so good. so good. MVP for sure. Saf Rogue Seven would be Coachella because it's really just about <laughs> flower crowns and aesthetic. <laughs> <laughs> I should have seen that yeah. coming. Yeah, that was. Yeah. That's the yes. reason Meg did this question was so she could do that one. Oh my god, it's so true. I love it. <laughs> I'm Meg Rogue Leader, and I would be the mixtape festival because it features artists at least ten to twenty years out of date just like how I like my music. (laughs) New Kids on the Block have performed there multiple times. Good. (laughs) All right. Well, speaking of doing things multiple times, I have a question about (laughs) Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi. Oh. (laughs) That's not even what the show notes A thing that we've seen happen multiple times is the use of the color red. It first showed up uh, when they revealed the title. It was in red, and we were all like, oh, my God, it's in red. What does it mean? And then there was lots of red in the trailer. And then most recently, we got all these teaser posters, and lo and behold, the color red was prominent once again. So what's up with red? Is it going to be important to the movie? Is it symbolic of something? Is it just something they picked for marketing? What's going on? Uh, I think it means that everybody's going to be having a terrible time. Everyone is a Sith is what it means. Yeah, yeah. Surprise! I think General Leia's a Sith. It's 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 definitely a marketing thing that they've picked. At least for like obviously the posters and yeah. stuff, they've been like red is strong and good color. But also, I mean, I think it is symbolic to go with the movie of like light and dark. Cause, I mean, in Star Wars itself, red the color is very much associated with the dark side and bad things happening. So it's probably symbolic marketing, somewhat, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting because we haven't really seen much of the dark side in the marketing, though, because pretty much at this point, all the marketing has been focused on Rey and Luke. I think mm-hmm. it's meant to make it look somewhat ominous, because, I mean, from Rey and Luke we've gotten so far, we 
we know there's like some issues with the force and the dark side or not the dark side but the jedi and they've talked a lot about it being like quite a gray movie like morally not tonally um so i think even though we haven't gotten like explicit references to the dark side itself we've definitely gotten enough that if you're a star wars fan the color red is very ominous in those posters like seeing all the characters dressed in such a blood red color is quite an ominous thing to see Mm -hmm. and also it's the color of blood so yeah yeah, everyone's gonna have a bad time. Well, but human blood. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Chewie's safe. Um Chewie's... <laughs> What color is his blood? Do we know? Do we know the color I don't know. of the blood? I don't know. I don't think we've ever seen it, no. I well, feel like that would be a common ingredient in like space witch brew. Wookiee blood? Yeah. It and would strengthen like, like it's, the, it'd be really brew hard totally. to obtain and it, yeah, it'd be like really insignificant for making space potions. Yeah, I oh I like this idea of like witches. Okay. Like I have Gamorian blood of Wookie. No. Do we see it in TFA when Finn is like bandaging him up? No, you can't see blood. through the fur, and like Chewie's arm is like hand is over like his injury mm. the whole time. Yeah. And Star Wars doesn't tend to like showing blood on an injury particularly. Like we see blood sometimes, but not really yeah. pouring out of anything. Pondo yeah, Baba because... would like a word. What? Oh, yeah, there's a little bit of blood on the ground there. Yeah. But everything Wait. else is, yeah. like, pretty carterized. Yeah. Yeah. I think it kind of keeps lightsabers to keep the down. The, the bloodshed. And blasters. Like, everything is laser-based, so it just burns the wounds anyways. Like, okay, okay, quick thing. Speaking about blood, you know when, like, that Stormtrooper, <laughs> like, smears? And it's I Rogue just... Padron. Here we yep. go. No, Speaking you know when the Stormtrooper smear, smears on um Finn's helmet? Like, yeah. blood. He got shot with a blaster. And, like, fell over. And there's, like, no... He didn't get anything he... damaged to him that, like, would have caused the blood. Like, he's got no damage in his armor or anything. It's just, like... Oh, man. There's the plot yeah. in Force Awakens that we were looking for. It's just gonna blow this yeah. whole thing apart. There it I is, mean, there it is. I think he fell over and then impaled himself on, like, a pipe. And then was just like, ah, oh, man. Mm, yeah. Lots of pipes I've watched in Jakku. a lot of times. No being, infrastructure like, whatsoever. Blood? Never go to Jakku. That's the real just moral. Just don't go. <laughs> don't go back. Oh. Nothing good happens there. Great. So Did we successfully in conclusion, <laughs> we're really looking forward to learning what color Wookie blood is. <laughs> yep. yep. That sounds like Rogue Pod. Sure does. All right. I guess we'll talk about some people commanding Solo. <laughs> All right. Oh. I get, I get it. it. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> okay. Lieutenant Jart Ayan okay, is going to die in twelve minutes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We have yeah. to acknowledge the Star Wars name. <laughs> Jart? Jart. 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 I think that may be one of my favorite names. Is it because it rhymes with fart? <laughs> no. It's a bonus, um, but yeah, just it's because, not, it's so, it's because it's so straightforward <laughs> and, like, not at all pleasing to say. Like, it's just so abrupt. And when you look at names that there, a lot of names are more flowy or just completely out there that you can't pronounce them. And then there's Jart. <laughs> <laughs> and it, like, starts the book. It's, like, it's all very abrupt. It's Jart, and he's going to die in 12 minutes. Yeah. So on the on the scale of like first sentences in our X Wing books, like 
the first sentence of this book, eh, it's got a cool name, not a lot going on. But then Aaron Alston just like brings it up to a hundred with the second sentence, <laughs> right. which yeah. I thought was so funny because you remember that meme that was going around a while back where it was take any first sentence of the book and then make the second sentence. And that's when the murders began. <laughs> like <Right>. that's basically <laughs> exactly what Alston did here. Right. <laughs> Naval Lieutenant Jart Ann looked rested and cheerful. The fact that he only had 12 minutes to live would have changed his disposition, but he did not possess that knowledge. Yeah, it's like a more eloquent yep, so way good. of saying, and that's when the murders began. And that's when someone's gonna die. It's Jart! <laughs> Probably Jart. <laughs> Definitely Jart. All right, so unpause. Jart is happy to be back aboard Home One, which, remember, is Admiral Ackbar's flag- flagship after taking some leave on Coruscant with his wife and family. He can't exactly remember what happened during his vacay, so it must have been a cray-cray vacay. Hmm. But (laughs) maybe that's a sign of just too much fun. Who else do we know in this series that has had lapses in memory? Hmm. Oh, no. Cray-cray vacay with (laughs) cray-cray-cray-fay. Oh, no. So when Jart arrives, there's a, I'm just going to try to say his name as much as possible. Yeah, you only have 12 okay. minutes to do it, so. <laughs> yeah, there's a priority <laughs> message. Our time with from, Jart's limited. Right, from Jart's wife. Maybe that's why Austin did that. He's like, they're going to love this character. I'm just going <laughs> to let him know. After all the shocking deaths from the last book, I'll let them know that this great guy that they're going to love so much isn't going to be around very long. Thank you, Aaron. Uh, all she gets a chance to say is that the Wookiees are dancing in the parlor again. Those dang Wookiees. <laughs> Jarch then erases the message, taps some commands into Jarch's computer, and then grabs a sidearm before leaving to take care of those blasted Wookiees. Piggy so so are is... we not gonna, we're not going to discuss this? <laughs> I mean, yeah, what do you okay. want to say? Why are the Wookiees dancing some... in the parlor again? What does that mean? It's awesome. What doesn't it the mean? Parlor. What? What is Jart's lifestyle that there are regularly Wookiees dancing? He had a cray-cray vacay! He can't remember his vacation. Obviously, it's quite an intense (laughs) lifestyle. (laughs) He lives life a quarter mile at the time, all right? Like, you just... (laughs) I kind of wish that his death was at the end of the book, and we would just, like, get these pieces of his cray-cray vacay, like, throughout... And he's not actually Funny. involved in the story at right. all. It's just like, <laughs> this random thing. <laughs> Beautiful. And then there was a Rancor doing a kegger. But Jart didn't have any memory of this. Oh, Jart. All right. It's not a thing people do at parties. A keg stand. It's a keg That's stand. A... There you go. I wasn't going to correct I, you. I'm aware from the many parties I attended as a young college student. I thought that was just an American slang thing. <laughs> it's not. The oh. party itself was called you a kegger. Go to a kegger. Oh. You perform to a do keg a keg stand. stand. Do a keg yeah. stand. Interesting. And you play Bro. ping pong, drunk ping pong, beer, beer pong. pong. <laughs> you got so <laughs> close, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's great. All right, Piggy is giving a briefing. And what's most important, I guess, because they spend a huge paragraph on this, <laughs> is that the rights now have an official squadron patch. That's literally what this, like, three paragraphs are for. Like, we, we got a, a marketing patch. representative. Right? <laughs> Our babies are all... New girl. logo. Kind of. 
kind of. Still babies, but official babies now. Babies with patches. Babies with patches. So we find out that Piggy is actually briefing um, Admiral Akbar about his analysis of their previous engagement between the Mon Ramonda and the Iron Fist, which was the whole last part of the last book. If you don't remember it, go back and listen to the episode. While there was nothing particularly noteworthy about how the capital ships responded, Piggy found something interesting in regards to the 181st. This is a surprisingly... It's a little surprising that an extremely loyal squadron such as them would be working for Warlord Gabor. And Piggy also notices that a pair of that the pairs of TIE fighters respond exactly the same to particular attack patterns. They don't really go over <laughs> uh, what that actually infers, but Admiral Akbar is interested. Jart then arrives in Admiral Akbar's outer office and shoots his aide before the before the door to where he and Piggy are located. That's not a real sentence. Anyway. Akbar <laughs> shoots Piggy, and then Jert promptly shoots him in the abdomen. I was genuinely terrified that Akbar was right? going to die. <laughs> I got to that part, and then I was like, oh, I remember how this book started. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Piggy is down on his back, contemplating that this is what it feels like to die when his Gamorrean instincts start to take over, telling him to kill his attacker. And he manages to get up, throwing his vibroblade to disarm Jart. Like, literally disarm? I think he was definitely... No, he just cut the gun, didn't he? He was trying to murder him, but it ended up just um, getting the gun out of his hand. That's a good second. Yeah. I think it was, like, real piggy trying to be like, let's not quite murder everybody right now. (laughs) But... Akbar makes a valiant attempt to take Jart down, but Jart is unnaturally strong and has Akbar pinned. Piggy picks up Akbar's desk and swings. On the other side of the wall where Piggy hit, the metal actually dents in so bad that it throws an ensign forward to the ground and injures her. <laughs> Piggy sets the desk down where it won't fall on Akbar and looks at the smashed in ahead of Jart, which was kind of horrifying. Akbar is trying to talk to Piggy, but Piggy doesn't hear it, finally overcome by his injuries and falling back unconscious. Okay. So, okay. last week on the State of the Squadron, uh-huh. you and Nancy were teasing that I was going to be really excited about having lots of Piggy in the future. <laughs> <laughs> and then I read the first ten pages of this book. Oh, buddy. And having come to distrust everything that you say and do... <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was it for Piggy. Like the way it was written, yeah. it just seemed like he's going down as a hero and it's going to like kick off this big investigation into the Sabin Ring stuff. And like, I cannot believe that they made me think that he was going to be a major player in future books. Yeah. <laughs> I assumed he was a goner. <laughs> yeah. So I thought both he and Akbar were going to just like die. And I was just like, no, you can't, you can't do this. Do you think I would let us read a book series where Admiral Akbar the Mon Calahati would die? Yeah. <laughs> no. Yes. Absolutely. I okay, sure would yes. not. I don't put myself through that pain. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be a lot better about Gavin Darklighter all of a sudden. Hmm. I don't know. Admiral Akbar is my number one bay, so. Hmm. So anyway, all right. epic start to the book. Absolutely. So I felt like my emotions were toyed with within the first 10 pages. So they sure were. Alston gonna Alston, I guess. Yep. That's how I like my books. 
And to make it better, it skips to a point where you have no idea what's going on, and it's definitely not about Peggy. Yeah, for like so, 10 more pages now. <laughs> so many more pages. So Wedge and Tycho are in The Sims flying two squints, which, remember, are tie interceptors. They are approached by two enemies, an X-Wing and another interceptor. They dogfight, manage to take Tycho out, um, in which Tycho just goes, whoops, and Wedge is like, all right, <laughs> which is just precious so precious um and their big move was that the x-wing flies forward and the interceptor uses the x-wings fully powered front shields in order to keep safe while they go in for a kill um but wedge picks off the interceptor and then ends the simulation as they're all getting out of the sims this is just a really important paragraph of face of wedge talking about face Wedge saw a female pilot trainee glance at Face, do a double take, then flutter her hand over her heart as she whispered into the ear of a confidant. Face, with his strikingly handsome features, intent green eyes, and somehow artfully must black hair often had that effect on women. Mm-mm. And then there is Cornhorn a pilot. <laughs> Bless. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad Alton plays favorites. Me too. It's so good to read. Right. But in the next in the next paragraph, we get Captain Tycho Selchu, a fair-haired man with features that suggested he'd weathered a lot of turmoil in his life. <laughs> what what does that mean? <laughs> like, what features does one have that indicate you have weathered much in your life? Like, I mean, does Tycho have a sign hanging around his neck that says, "Was skyping my parents when Alderaan blew up." Oh no! I, I think it does more than suggest. Danny. <laughs> Danny. Sorry, FaceTiming. Clearly, Tycho would use Apple. FaceTiming. Um, I think I think that it's you can tell. <laughs> I think he has very handsome, great features, but there is a depth to them when you look a little bit too close, where you can see. The wear. I see. Yeah. Or that, like, he's seen some ish for Sherzy's. All I heard was you say <laughs> looking a little too close at Tycho's features and <laughs> thinking about Heath's memoirs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, basically. So it seems like it seems like Alston is trying to do a little bit more in his description of the rogues this time. Which is great. Yeah. Super. <laughs> Gavin didn't even come up in this first I know. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> also, I was like, maybe I came out a little too strong in that last one. <laughs> better <laughs> better hold back. <laughs> pull it back. <laughs> so Wedge and Tycho are there to practice with Laura and Face, the youngsters, which they actually call them youngsters. Because <laughs> they're old men. Because <laughs> they're old 29-year-old dudes. Uh, they're so old. I hate oh. it. Worst. <laughs> and their new ta- their new tactic was with the whole shield thing, and it wasn't as effective as they hoped. Good for one shot and then done, but they'll do more analysis of it. The babies seem a little sad that it wasn't like super great. A wedge calls them back to tell them good job and to keep developing these kinds of tactics because that's what the race are for. What a positive dad. Right, and then they're automatically much happier. So. It worked. 
they just want his they just want his I don't know acceptance yeah they just want them positive reinforcement that's it that's the words (laughs) so (laughs) (laughs) which uh, which then goes they're gonna do a whole a whole squad briefing and it's just the best moment because Wiz comes up and he just shouts, Commander Antilles, draw! And he holds up his data pad as if they're dueling, which is so cute. So it also seems so like a dangerous game to play in a place where there are people with actual blasters all over the place. Yep. <laughs> yep. I mean, this is I me in 2017 was... America being like, oh my god, I would run for cover if this happened anywhere. That was life. my first thought. It was like, yeah. oh my god, he's really lucky that <laughs> this was not taken seriously. <laughs> right. I think Wiz is not the kind to entirely think about consequences before he does a joke. <laughs> no, putting it lightly. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> Which is why I like him. Yeah. Yeah, so Wiz is doing it because he's transmitting some data to Wedge's data pad. <laughs> and Wedge, being the good grandpa friend, just rolls his eyes and sighs, but holds it out anyway. <laughs> I want to see this in real life so much. I know, it's so cute. Can we Um, act this out next time we're together? Yeah. (laughs) Oh my god, yes. Yes. But Wedge is glad that this happened because it means that Wiz is in a good mood, which means that the news is good. Thank goodness. Yeah. Wedge starts a briefing for the rogues and the wraiths, feeling like a proud papa bear at everything his units have accomplished. Aww. The first bit of news. <laughs> the, all right. The first bit of news is that Piggy is in good recovery. Back to treatments are working, and he will make a full recovery. They still don't know anything about Akbar's would-be assassin, and when Akbar asked him why, Jart only responded with "You know why." Jart's wife and kids are also missing. Hmm. What a mystery. Mm-hmm. I was really. I was kind of disappointed that he ended up dying off screen after like that holding setup of he would only have 12 minutes to live. He died on screen. His he died head, on screen. His head got smashed. His head got super smashed and Piggy's like, oh, so small. That. Yeah, okay. I guess I didn't realize that when his head got smashed, that was him dying. <laughs> that kind of kills people usually. <laughs> that his head was like a fraction of the size. That I was really worried about Piggy, okay? <laughs> all right, all right. All right, you're, you're not focused on Jart. I was right. not. <laughs> As much as I, well, I don't, but Jart, anyway, he's a little fart head. Okay, a little Jart head. Okay, the second and third bit of news is that the Mon Ramonda is a day out from leaving. That means they get one more night of leave. Wedge warns that the last time they were out in Coruscant, the wraiths were almost assassinated. So he asks the more recognizable ones to either stay home or hide their features. I like how he doesn't, like, call anyone out he's just like you know who you are you know you know who you are grunt um (laughs) fourth we have a new wraith yay lsr targon because star wars yep straight from see and that's the thing we get names like lsr targon and then jart jart (laughs) jart jart and he will he's straight from the academy and he will be their new medical officer pilot he can do more than put on pressure patches and squealy noises, which is probably good for that. 
Um, Wiz objects because he's not a lunatic, but Tarragon, which is definitely what I'm going to call him from now on. Tarragon? I was thinking, I was like, he sounds like a herb. <laughs> right. Well, which tar- one? It's Tarragon. <laughs> but Tarragon stands again, posing like a superhero on top of his chair, and says, Elisar Tarragon, Master of the Universe, reporting for duty. Good. Which... Off to a good start with this one. <laughs> I appreciate which... his dedication to the role. <laughs> He's trying so hard. Master of the universe. He wants, he wants yeah. him to love him. It's like someone told him, a Bothan was in this role before, so you have very cocky shoes to fill. A Bothan was here, <laughs> and he was an expert in human psychology. <laughs> He's like, shoot, how do I one-up that? Oh, master of the universe! Oh my god. Wedge is done, TM. Convinced that either the race reputation is just that bad, or that command didn't say did, in fact, send him another problem child. Everyone laughs at Tarragon's antics, and Wiz says that he can stay. (laughs) The last bit of news is that unless they go on another prolonged covert mission, the race will be staying with the Mon Ramonda. Wedge is in charge of all four units, but he's transferring back to take command of the rogues, even though he'll still fly with the wraiths. The rogues look very happy, but the wraiths have sobered up, losing their best pilot and their dad. I feel like, like, I see where Weech is coming from, but on the other hand, I feel like the wraiths need him more. They need him so much. A little bit. (laughs) So much. Wedge calls Face to stand. And, of course, Face is suspicious of Wedge's intentions, but he hides it on his face very quickly. (laughs) Wedge promotes Face to the rank of bereft bereft... Brevet. Brevet. A brevet captain, meaning that he can lead his own squadron, Wraith Squadron. That was pretty cool. Yeah. That was nice to see, see our buddy from the last book moving on up in the world. Well, the only other person who's a captain on either of these squadrons is like Tycho. <sighs> <laughs> so, like, it's a pretty, like, big deal that Face is getting this potential promotion. Um, especially in such a short time period. Because Tycho was already a captain coming into Wraith Squadron. Right. I mean, coming into Rogue Squadron. But not Face was just a little ensign. So is Face the same role for Wraith, Wraith Squadron that Tycho currently is for Rogue Squadron now? Correct. Or does promotion put him further up than that? Um, He would be Wraith 1, Wraith Leader. Got it. And Tycho yeah. is Rogue Leader right now? Yeah, Tycho is currently Rogue Leader. Yeah. Gotcha. Yep. So Wedge checks on any problem rates. Wiz doesn't care because he intends to go back to the rogues. And he also doesn't care about command. Kel doesn't care because he realizes he's not really suited for command with the way that he still Kel. probably freaks out and can't deal with it. I'm proud of his self-awareness. He's, got, I am, he's grown. I'm so, so proud of Kel right now. <laughs> Shallow is happy. Min looks serious, which is one step up from his usual dour intensity. Dour <laughs> intensity. But not like he's upset. And Wedge trusts Min. He knows he's reliable. But Face has shown more leadership and technical savvy in the field than Min has. Face then asks when they get piggyback. And, and Wedge explains that he'll be transferred to the Mon Ramonda. And that Face's X-Wing has been repaired. The Wraiths don't get any new ships. So they're sticking with their current X-Wing TIE Interceptor configuration. So the night where everyone's about to go on leave. It's time for a dramatic reading. Okay. 
30 minutes later, Wedge opened the door to, to leave his quarters. He took an involuntary step back. There, shoulder to shoulder, blocking the door, were Wiz Jensen and Rogue Squadron pilot Derek Hobby Clivian. Hobby was struggling to keep his face straight. Jensen's expression was merry. Jensen asked, Going somewhere, Commander? Wedge shouldered his way between them. We have leave, remember? That's what you two should do. Leave. They fell in beside him, one on either side. This corridor, deep in the residential decks of Coruscant's Savantly base, led toward the turbo, turbo lifts. Would you look at him? Jansen said. Hair combed, evening clothes immaculate. Hobby, his face as long and mournful as ever, said. And he smells like a fresh spring morning. I think our commander is going on a date. I think you're right. Meaning, he really needs our help. How long has it been since you've been on a date, Wedge? I don't think some of the race were born then. We're your escort. Hobby said. We'll protect you from yourself. So, we're... Who are you seeing? Jensen (laughs) (laughs) What I'm seeing is kitchen duty in your immediate future. Wedge said. They reached the bank of turbo lifts and waited for the lift to reach them. Jensen continued. It's yellow, isn't it? Wedge scowled. What makes you think that? Oh, nothing. Just the way you look whenever her name is mentioned. Have you noticed that, Hobby? Oh, I've noticed. What do you think? I haven't decided yet if she's right for our commander. And the rest of the squad hasn't voted yet. The turbo lift doors opened and they entered the shallow car, turning to face the hall. Wedge held his hand against the side of the entryway, preventing the doors from closing. Roof. Wedge said. Jensen looked confused. Roof? Not the personal vehicle's hanger? Roof. Then Wedge took a deep breath and bellowed. About face! Forward march! By reflex, the two pilots spun. Wedge stepped back out into the hall and heard Jensen and Hobby thud into the wall at the rear of the turbo lift. Then the turbo lift doors closed and the cars carried his pilots up far, up and far away. He smiled and summoned another turbo lift. Sneaky. So good. Yeah, Wedge. <laughs> get, some, get some Wedge. That's like, I, th- I feel like that was like a Three Stooges bit. It so was. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> like, I just imagine Hobby and Wiz walking into the other side of the elevator and, like, doing, like, the old-timey, like, grabbing their faces and wailing around and then, like, right. bumping into each other and then falling to the ground and then the lift going up. <laughs> so accurate. Silly boys. Def- those two would definitely be part of that. Yeah. If anyone was. All right. So Wedge is potentially involved in a rogue... Rogue man's, wraith man's, wedge man's. <laughs> With but confirmed button. widow, Iella. Yes, actually dead, killed her husband <laughs> herself. Oh, jeez. Safe oh, to proceed. dark. You know, there have been zombies in Star Wars, so it's not confirming anything. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, they're safe! <laughs> it's like Red, Har- Red Harvest, is that what it was? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, let's not talk. <laughs> Sam, I love how you haven't read, like, all the, like, big name EU books, but you've read, like, Red Harvest <laughs> and Chorus <laughs> on Nights. Like, Spectre, right, <laughs> like, like Spectre of the Mind's Eye. Sam has Red read the Red Harvest is so cuts. good. <laughs> <laughs> 
Staff is the Star Wars really, lit hipster. Yeah, Staff is I'm the really one where you're like, do you like the Beatles? And she's like, I've only listened to the B-side. <laughs> Thrawn trilogy? No, thank you. I'm reading Shatterpoint. Uh, don't, I, I love that book. Don't talk to me. <laughs> don't talk to me. <laughs> All right. A couple floors down, Lara, Min, Dia, and Tarragon are outside of Face's room. Face said he wasn't feeling well, but Lara knows he's probably lying. Tarragon gets his first lesson, which is when a race says, back me up, you effing do it. Face keeps trying to make excuses, like how he's too recognizable to go out. But buddy, all you do is play dress up, and they convince him to go. They're going to the Galactic Museum's new exhibit on Imperial Intelligence, and then out to get hammered. Good plan. Yep, sounds like a night with the wraiths. <laughs> go to the museum, get drunk. <laughs> Min, at the museum, Min is not really liking this exhibit. It's not terribly one-sided, but it's still creepy, especially the hollow of smug and smarmy Vin Narcassin. What? Sh- wait, what? What planet are we on right now? Coruscant. Coruscant. Oh, they are in Coruscant. Okay, so this is the same museum we were in earlier. It's just with a new exhibit because yes. the Empire is not in charge anymore. Yes. Yeah. Cool. That's like some nice continuity. Yeah. Uh, we find out Tarragon has so many good luck charms, like his lucky coin, which grows with Corrin now. <laughs> and his lucky horn gilding set, which we learn that Devorians, um, to attract mates, will put gold on their horns. And this is a tool to help them do that. I mean, you know what? If I was part of a species with horns, I would probably appreciate would a guy with a gold horn. Yeah. Decorations on there, right? Are you not? Yeah. Like, put in some efforts. Yeah. But while this is happening, you can practically see Face's brain working out how to use this information as a prank. <laughs> oh, no. Face some is things... a good actor, but he's not that good. It, yeah, even if he's a captain, some things don't change. Yeah. <laughs> Min sees the hollow of Vin Narcassin again and realizes why it's familiar. Everything about his features match Shala's. He decides to send her a message of her to come check it out before they leave. Hmm, very suspicious. Mm. Is he her dad? Is he? Is he an Imperial? Is he? I'm thinking Shala had to do a Mulan to get into the military for some reason. And it's actually her. Oh, that'd be rad. Oh, that's that's a good theory. Thank you. Into it. There's not enough cross-dressing in Star Wars, so that's that's why. Yeah, I agree. An old man comes up to Lara, mistaking her for his old pupil, Adalia Monothere. Because Star Wars. Because Star <laughs> The man's daughter recognizes and distracts him. and But Min can tell that Lara is shaken by the encounter. After that, she just wants to go get that drink and several more. Of course, face is face and keeps calling her things like Gura Patunkin, Totovia Lamprey. Diply Gonai Freet. Mop Lugi Starko. I think we need to level up our bad nicknames. <laughs> like, Face is outdoing us. Yeah, Face should clearly be a co-host on Rogue Padron. We should have him on sometime. <laughs> he would be so good. Yeah. Absolutely. And so that's how the chapter ends. With Laura threatening Face that she'll shoot him if he doesn't stop. Honestly... I'm personally a little bit sad that Lara and Face didn't get together because they are actually really adorable friends. 
They are very adorable friends. And we don't get that much of Dia and Face interacting, really, before they, like, hook up. But Lara, you get quite a lot of her and Face. And so, like, I was kind of surprised when it was Dia in the end of the last book that ended up being his girl. Like, I don't know. I, I, I quietly ship Lara and Face. Not gonna lie. Well, yeah, we, we've got to have the super I tragic the love. Yeah. Yeah. I need yeah. the crisis of men and Lara having feelings for each other. Yeah. <laughs> the crisis. He has to play with our emotions. <laughs> I mean, I secretly, I like. The crisis. <laughs> deep in my heart. I want Dia and, and men to like each other because I love them both. <laughs> That's not how that works. Well, maybe. At all. I know. Maybe it's once not. Lara and Min have their falling out, there'll be a little switcheroo and then you'll get all your wishes to come true. But what if Min just joins them as a thruple? I would be okay with that too, actually. Yeah. Wait, can they just be like all four of them together? Because I would like that. No, nah, Laura's something bad's gonna happen to her. Don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was all very, right. very forthcoming of you, Meg. <laughs> can you trust it? I don't know. <laughs> so I wait, don't know. what do we think about this encounter? Who's this teacher that freaked her out? I think uh, probably, probably like, who he is. Yeah, her past, one of her past aliases or something. Yeah. So didn't she get, like, face surgery and stuff? Something. She got a lot of stuff. Yeah. I don't know. It's probably someone who actually knows her, though. Yeah, that's what I Yeah, I would do. not be surprised if Adalia Monothere was, like, a real cover she had at one point. Wait, Mike, you, you've read this one, right? Yeah. Okay, just checking. <laughs> I'm playing along! Oh. <laughs> Gosh. Also, I read this on the plane back from Japan. I just remember crying most of the time. So. Oh, no. Good. Great. Did you cry during the first chapter? I think I cried during all of it. Okay. And um, I was on the plane, and so I couldn't tweet about it, and I was really mad because I really wanted to tweet about it. <laughs> that, that's what I remember of reading this book for the first time. You know what I do when I'm on the plane and I can't tweet is I just save my tweets to drafts and then tweet them all when I get off the plane. Here's my feelings about Iron Fist and Solo Command. I read like three books on that plane. Um, it's an eight-hour flight, eight and a half-hour flight. Okay, yeah, that's uh, fair. You're a fast reader. Only when it came to Rogue Squadron to be Yeah. <laughs> okay, so in chapter two, we are seeing the Monarmanda and the four-ish other ships of Han's fleet arrive at a planet called Levian Two. Warlord Gabor's raptors had raided the planet, but left before backup could arrive. As the four fighter squadrons deploy from the surface to search and rescue, they're ambushed by a multitude of ships, including Iron Fist. Assessing Warlord Gabor's power, Han calls in for his second hidden group to enter the fray. After he issues the order, the second group of hostiles jump in. Han decides they need to cut and run, and of course the most direct path away from Levian 2's gravity well is right at Iron Fist. As they prepare to run, a third hostile group arrives. <clears throat> As Wedge and his squadrons head back, he can't help but wonder if Sunterfell is among those assaulting the Monramanda. Wedge's sister, Sael, stage name Winessa Starflare, great stage name, <laughs> And her whereabouts may be completely lost to him if he ends up having to kill Fell in an engagement. Oh, Wedge is really fixated on this. He has not heard from his sister in years. Yeah, he. Yeah, it's a, it's a thing. Right, and with his parents dead, like she's his family. That's rough, buddy. Rough, buddy. Wedge has so much going on right now. <laughs> yeah. 
the A-Wings of Polearm Squadron, which I just finally read as Polearm and not as something else. I don't know. That's not a great name. Polearm? or like... Polearm. Something that wasn't just Polearm, but (laughs) it is what it is. Are sent ahead, and he brings the X-Wings and Nova Squadron around to focus their torpedo fire on Iron Fist's portside engine. After the X-Wing's initial fire, the B-Wings take over. Wedge then prepares to deal with Warlord Gabor's light cruisers. Back on the bridge, damage to Iron Fist's engines are reported, as well as half of the Starfighters on them breaking off to return to the Super Star Destroyer. Warlord Gabor calls Han, but Han ignores it until he puts Chewie on to accept the message. <laughs> Chewie rattles off some profanities about what a POS Warlord Gabor is, while Han keeps himself busy doing what he's actually supposed to do. That was a fun little moment. It was fun to see that, like, Chewie is not involved in this war, but right. he still hangs out with Han because he's like, but what if I'm needed? And he's good for pranks. Right, so, like, Chewie just hangs out by the door and is like, sup, what can I do? Is there anything I could do? And Han's like, yeah, go tell off Warlord Gabor because he hates non-humans. And Chewie's like, I'm here for it! This is my job! And I like how the narration was just like, Chewbacca was waxing poetic using all sorts of words that could never be repeated in polite company to describe Warlord Gabor. Right. Just basically, he was just swearing at him the entire time. The whole time. Beautiful. Let's see. Wedge orders the squadron to break, and Face takes the Wraiths toward a Kirk-class cruiser. They break into two groups to attack at two different sides. They achieve portside penetration. (laughs) 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 Oh, it's up there. (laughs) A Wiz is hit with an ion blast and is floating away from the battle. Oh no, not Wiz. The Wraiths have to go in for a strafing run to penetrate the starboard side. They manage to do it, and Tyria is hit, thankfully with no system failures. Their target goes partially dark and stops maneuvering, which means that they've hit the power generators and some of the backups. The rogues have destroyed their target, and the Iron Fist is having some maneuvering problems. On the bridge of the Iron Fist, Warlord Gabor and Melvar know that even with the damage the New Republic has done, they can still incapacitate the Mon Ramonda as it goes by them. Solo's second fleet jumps in, but Warlord Gabor just sends a few of their ships over to go punch a hole through them. They're not going to lose this time. The non-hyperspace-capable ships, including Wiz, make it safely aboard the Mon Ramonda. As they pass by Iron Fist, the Mon Karen gets between the two ships and takes part of the blaster fire. Melvar sees this and concedes that they lost the Mon Ramonda. Because of the way they brought their fighters back and sent their cruisers out, they have nothing to keep the Mon Ramonda in line, and they are able to concentrate their shields in order to save themselves. Warlord Gabor admits this was a loss, but it was his fault and that he needs to prepare for the next engagement. Solo's fleet makes out of Levisar 2 and safely jumps away from Warlord Gabor. Pew pew! Space battles! Space battles! (sighs) All right. Good space battle narration, Rogue Leader. Thanks. It's one of the rare times Wedge didn't lose any of his pilots. They gather in a lounge together and relax as much as they can while they're still on alert. In Yuri Forge, who actually gets a little bit of a description from Alston, thank you, um, is annoyed 
They've been chasing Warlord Gabor around for a while, and the same things always happen. Now he's changed their tactics on them, knowing their response times to ambushing them, as well as having more ships under his command than they thought. This means they have to change their tactics to accommodate him. I also appreciate how long they take to describe the egg chairs that they're in. Same. It's so a retro. Lot, a lot of it is focused on these egg chairs. And I just think about, which I I forget, but I'm pretty sure you guys haven't seen it. But Men in Black, um, when they're, they're all, Will Smith is sitting in that egg chair trying to write on a paper and he just can't do it. I've never saw that. I, yeah. I have definitely seen Men in Black. Thank you, Seth. I will always see sci-fi classics. Great. Perfect. I say it like I didn't just watch Alien this year. Yeah, I, you still haven't watched Predator, so... <laughs> <laughs> I have seen a movie with a Predator, but it, I don't think it was the Predator movie. Probably, unless it had Arnold Schwarzenegger in it, it was not the Predator. I don't know if it did. <laughs> you would know. Yeah, I would. You would know if Shua Chan was there. Okay. Yeah. I was just imagining that like some higher up in the New Republic came across a bunch of money... And was like, like I'm gonna go to space IKEA and find like some super fancy new furniture for the New Republic. And it like the egg chairs like fit whatever species he is really well, but like everyone oh. else is just like, oh my god, what is what this? What is this? <laughs> I love egg chairs; they're really cool. Okay, Seth. Have <laughs> you never sat in one before? It's so exciting. You're like oh being god. enclosed by the egg. <laughs> <laughs> remember when there was that egg in the Poe comic and we didn't know what was inside I still so remember that it wasn't a bunch of another eggs <laughs> I'm still I'm still sad I'm still disappointed it wasn't just a bunch of winking Amtray <laughs> so Faye says that they should force Warlord Gabor to change his tactics to take them on Tarragon is being foolish saying they need to follow all leads on Warlord Gabor, but Shala cuts him off to say that some are obvious traps. He backtalks to her, which is allowed because there's no decor in this lounge egg chair room. Um, And he says that it's her and others like her that are keeping General Solo running scared. Ooh, buddy. She lectures him that the pilots have more to do than simply fly out and vape their enemy, and unless he's just that excited to go out and potentially get killed, they need to be smart about it. Inuri suggests the plan that they use Han Solo as a lure for Warlord Gabor. He's known to sometimes take off in the Falcon and do other important errands while he's leading the task force. If there's anyone Warlord Gabor will change his tactics for, it's Han. Surprise egg chair turnaround! Han Solo was there the whole time. <laughs> that was so oh, good. Was like the like the evil villain. <laughs> Just I imagine like slowly turning the terror so around with his Corellian ale in and one hand, like swirling his, the glass. And his, his little Brandy. vest. I love <laughs> I love that they made a point to describe the vest here. Of course like, they did. <laughs> yeah. You need to know that that is the costume that he's wearing. He is not currently wearing his hated New Republic uniform right now. <laughs> no, he's in the vest. He's in the lounge. He says that it's a good plan, but there's two problems. One is that the Falcon is with Leia aboard the Rebel Dream, and he doesn't know when he'll see her again. Of which Min wonders which her he's referring to, which is adorable. <laughs> And number two is that they still don't know what Warlord Gabor is up to, and that's mostly because of Wraith Squadron. Because the Wraiths 
foiled Warlord Gabor's plan to steal the Razor's Kiss, he's back to his backup plan, which nobody knows. Their one lead is Cephalor. Oh my god. Oh. <laughs> Welcome home. So excited <laughs> when I read that. It's like, Saf has her next Twitter name just handed right. to her on a silver platter yeah. by a solo command. Oh, I should do that. I'm gonna do that. <laughs> and Safalor is the piggy, is the piggy, is the planet where piggy <laughs> was modified. Monomanda is going to leave the fleet and go there for a while. Han instructs them to keep thinking about Warlord Gabor's up to, as well as plan the making Han bait scheme before he leaves. Tarragon is mortified, having said that his superior officer, that his commander of this entire operation, is running scared and that he actually heard him. And he proceeds to ask everybody to kill him. Good. Glad to know he's emotionally stable. Right? He's uh, like, Kel, you don't like me. Can't you murder me real fast? <laughs> he's so embarrassing. He's not Run, even like bad. Off. He's just embarrassing. Yeah, He's like that's... 18. Oh, this child. Oh, fresh from the... Wedge was worried he wasn't... Like, Wiz was worried he was not, like, weird enough. Well, buddy. What is his position? Yeah. Communications officer? Yeah. Yeah. And medic. I feel like communications officer school must be the most terrible place in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> like, I would never want to hang out there based on the three representatives we've met so far. No, that's not fair, because their first communications officer was Jasmine. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh. But she, she is Ekbar a teacher good. Oh, that's I thought true. he was replacing the no, 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 and no. the, uh, who was the, the white dude from the last book? Cast and Don, Space Don, Racist. Yeah. Oh, so do we not have a new Cast and Don yet? We do not. We don't have a new Slicer, because oh. Laura's going to be the Slicer, because oh. they're like, we keep hitting duds with slicers, Got so it. we're just going to have Laura do so it. So they had Laura move into that position, and he's the new communication. He's the new medical oh, officer, which medical. was Tan's job. Oh, uh, he's not replacing. Oh, he's not, not carrying as well. that legacy well. Not even a little bit. <laughs> oh, man. But, all these positions are just... I must sound like the dumbest right. podcast host so, today. <laughs> Red, Red <laughs> is the communications officer. Got it. Um, Wedge thought it would help him manage his different voices better. Um, because that's such a wedge thing to do. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he's just supposed to patch people up, but he's doing a bad job of keeping himself together. I feel like the medic shouldn't be going around asking people to kill him because he embarrasses sure himself. Sure shouldn't. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I'm uncomfortable. It's not promising. It's not good. Also, the fact that he relies on a plethora of lucky charms. <laughs> right. Yeah. Also, doesn't feel good. <laughs> Does not feel good. Inuri and Faith get up to go work out some details about making a fake falcon, like what Dinner Squadron did back on Folor. As they prepare to leave, Corrin Horn comes in. Everyone <laughs> lolls, because there's a running joke that Corrin Horn and Han Solo have never been in the same room at the same time, and they're definitely <laughs> the same person. <laughs> this is the best Let, thing. Let's, let's take the running joke out of this. I just love the idea of Corrin walking into a room and everyone just starts laughing. <laughs> like, I just... It's so good. I love that so much. <laughs> just... Oh, it's <laughs> Oh, this guy! Oh, yeah. it's Corin. <laughs> it's also so weird. Dad. It's also so weird because they didn't like 
they didn't let this develop over the course of the book. It was just like they were laughing because of this ongoing joke, which like we were the people that are like looking at an inside <laughs> joke, not getting it. <laughs> like, like right Alston's like it was an ongoing joke between the raves about how Corn and what's his and uh, Han are the same person. You had to be there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we're you like, okay, I guess it. that's funny. I think I love funny. it. I really Even love it, and. It makes me happy that, like, if we see Corrin, it's just going to be this now. Yeah, we're going to be like, is Han Solo there? <laughs> like, even though there's, like, a 10-year age gap, at least, and even though they look very different, except they're both just white curlian dudes, um, so they don't look that they look, different. They look pretty <laughs> similar, then. I immediately thought of Danny and his Darth Vader theory. <laughs> <laughs> There are there are two Han Solos and <laughs> one, one of them is Cornhorn. <laughs> I would never come with something that outrageous. Come on. <laughs> you sure, buddy? Yeah, that's that's a real stretch. Oh my gosh. The so raves are clearly just drunk. That's I wonderful. Love I love, I love this. Saf, well, I think that Ineri Forge got more more book time than like all the other books combined in this chapter. I think so, and I was quite happy to actually see her there and talking and, like, being involved. That was really cool. Yeah, she's yeah, she kind of got introduced. They're like, by the way, here's Lou Jane's sister. She's here now, and then she's never did anything ever. Right. But she's like, no, she's a cable part of the team. She thinks a lot and has these things. Yeah, they showed her thinking an awful lot. Yeah. She's a thinker. They're like, she's smart. <laughs> well, at least there's one of them. <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe she so, has some first aid experience too, just in case. So probably, probably Alston's second favorite next to Gavin. I'm so happy. Yeah. Okay. So Han goes to Wedge's office, and he wasn't in the lounge. Wedge wasn't in the lounge because he was meeting all the squadron's XOs about pilot morale. Han fills him in that in, that New Republic intelligence thinks there may be some kind of Twi'lek anti-human plot going on. No. <laughs> Akbar's would-be assassination is because he's a human lover, which explains why they would go after a non-human. Han asks Wedge if he's confident with the Twi'leks in his squadrons, and Wedge, of course, feels great about all of them, even though they may have some unknown pasts. I don't like where this is going. Like, we've already... I don't know. I don't. I don't want this to be a thing. It's a thing. It's a thing. It, it's a bad thing. It's a thing. This happened in Young Jedi Knights too. No, just Did leave. The lines. <laughs> yep. On the Iron Fist, Melvar brings Warlord Gabor a gift: two doctors from the Sabine Ring facility on Safalor. Bress is an old, scared man, and Etta Gast is a completely ice-cold younger woman doctor. They explain that the escaped subjects that could have enough intelligence to pilot X-Wings maybe escaped from their facility. They didn't say anything before when he asked because they weren't sure, and they still aren't sure. But now they might be pretty sure. <laughs> Gast isn't scared at all, and even asks for a chair to sit down in as they talk, of which then Warlord Gabor refuses Bress to have one when he asks. Gast explains that it was her uncle who was really the pioneer on this project, 
but he had a soft heart and started to feel guilty, started to feel attached and guilty about his actions. He committed suicide by explosion after bringing the most violent, a.k.a. the most promising, subjects into the same room as him. He also brought in a Gamorrean, one that went through the intelligence program, not the aggression one. They only found plasma belonging to it and nothing else, which means that it could very well be alive. They also found parts of two different Ewoks, so they assumed that they were both dead, but he could have had a third undocumented one. They had put the Gamorrean Gamma 9104 through the flight simulators and could have done the same with the Ewok, which explains how they both became pilots. I just love how seriously they're taking Kitch. They don't even know her. They just don't know her. <laughs> so serious. They like, are where the hell so, does Ewok come yeah. from? They're so worried about Kitch. <laughs> so worried. They're like, so he glad. went through the intelligence and the aggression one. <laughs> this is not <laughs> uh, Warlord Gabor accepts this and decides that it must be Piggy and Lieutenant Kitch. <laughs> He tells Gast that he won't be satisfied until blood is shed in, in compensation for his trouble. Russ and Gast are handed weapons, and Warlord Gabor instructs them to do it themselves to save him the trouble. Gast doesn't hesitate to shoot Bress in the stomach. Warlord Gabor concedes that she is blameless in this whole ordeal, but requests that she does him a favor. She's to dismantle the lab at Saffalor and bring it aboard the Iron Fist. She's also to set traps at the facility because no doubt Piggy and his squadron will come looking for it. She'll get a bonus for every wraith head she brings him. After Bress, after the body of Bress is dragged out and what's well, already forgot her name, it doesn't matter, Gast leaves. <laughs> Melvar asks what Warlord Gabor wants to do about Gara, Gara Pedithel. Warlord Gabor remarks that they haven't heard from her since the debacle at New Old Town. But he's happy to protect her, though, if she gives him a reason to. Warlord Gabor asks about the status of Blunted Razor. Melvar, respond Melvar responds that more and more debris of Razor's kiss is being recovered. Melvar doesn't mention that he thinks this is a giant waste of time and resource, but he doesn't need to. Warlord Gabor already knows that he what he thinks, so they leave it at that. I would just like to say that Gast has the potential to be a character I really like. Of course she is. <laughs> She's really, like, if she wasn't young, if she was, like, a, a, an older lady with, like, silver hair, she would 100% already be my type. <laughs> this is a good book so far. Yeah, I dig it a lot. I really want to read more, like, right now, now that we finish this. Well, once we finish this. Three chapters, Seth. I know, I know. I'll be good. Should we do some listener questions? Yeah, yeah, listener questions. Let's do it. Uh, last week on State of the Squadron, we asked you to pick a wraith or a rogue or multiple and tell us what they would have in their emergency kit. Like, Lara has some emergency lingerie. <laughs> Sarah said, Wiz has an emergency pranking kit. Attack glitter, noisemakers, lots of twine, money for bail, sweets and wedges <laughs> contact info. So whoever's arrested knows who not to call to come get him. Who to call to come get him. Yeah. I, d I love the money for bail part there. That's right. Like, like, he knows. That's really good. That's something you only learn from experience. Like, just in case. <laughs> ben Warman said, I had a joke about Corrin having a, a guide to exotic alien lovemaking on him at all times, but that feels too easy. Oh so God. instead... 
I'll say Vort has a data pad filled with nothing but expert level Sudoku puzzles in case he gets bored on a mission. That's adorable and I love it. That I Yeah, that's it. really cute. Oh. Ian Miller said Wedge's emergency kit is just a memo recorder so he can save his responses to his pilot's shenanigans. <laughs> Captain's log. Yep. <laughs> All the time. News of the Galaxy said Gavin has a sack full of sand in his kit to remind him of home and to scare off Anakin. (laughs) (laughs) I love that as Darth Vader's weakness. And I just like, imagine that hallway scene in Rogue One, but one of the rebel pilots like pulls out a bag of sand and just like throws some at him and it just shuts everything down. (laughs) He's just like, oh God. Vader's like, no. Drops to his knees yelling. <laughs> Just throwing sand on him. Oh my god. <laughs> Obi-Wan, you should have known. <laughs> so good. Uh, so good. Everything would have been so much easier if they'd only remembered. Spitfire said Min's emergency kit is his sniper rifle. She takes it everywhere. Wedge would have a bottle or two of Wyron's reserve and a few cups. Corrin has his lightsaber and his lucky coin. And by emergency kit, I mean Whistler. Yeah. And then Spitfire added, oh, wait, Wedge's emergency kit is Tycho. Duh. That's pretty true. Yep. Mine, too. (laughs) Raising Fangirl said, I think Wedge has a bottle of whiskey in his emergency pack for those angry walks. So many angry walks. I love that everyone is turning Wedge into this person who just, like, always needs a drink. drink. Needs a drink. Needs a drink. I I mean, they're not turning him into that. (laughs) Yeah, they're they're not wrong. (laughs) They're just just giving him the actual drink. Amy said, Corn's emergency kit has a mirror so he can look at himself, a duplicate medallion, and a signed copy of I, Jedi. (laughs) (laughs) Is it signed by him? (laughs) Of course it is. (laughs) Because he it's he wrote it it's from his oh, perspective. No. That's so good. That's a really good joke. <laughs> and then she also had an Oral's emergency kit as a list of all his heretofore hidden abilities. Oh man, I want to know about him. He hasn't been in any of these Braith books yet, has he? Not yet. Oral Quirk, yeah. come back to us. When he comes back, back will he have like five more new abilities or something? Yeah, he'll have like I leveled bet- up. Oh. Oh, so be limitating everywhere. <laughs> yes. He's like, I ate the mushroom and now I've doubled in size. And he uses like <laughs> he just uses I all the time. Oh yeah. Aww. <laughs> Love him. And finally, Mika said in Piggy's emergency kit there'd be some copies of classic literature he can delve into whenever faces and Tons puns reach the lowest level. Or he's just called out another speciesist and gives him the I'm too classy for you anyway treatment. <laughs> nice. Perfect. Um, we have to give Amy a glistening body for the signed yeah. copy of oh, I, yeah. Jedi. I, Jedi. Yep, co-signed. <laughs> it's so good. I I think a smaller, a slightly smaller glistening body to um, News of the Galaxy because I love that. <laughs> Oh yeah, the, and also the Sarah. Anakin. Yeah, yep. Oh yeah, the money for bail is also really yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah. So congrats to our winners this week. And this week's question is: What other experiments have gone wrong and escaped the facility on Cephalor? Do we need some time to think about this one? Maybe. Perhaps. Yes. Okay. It's okay. It's okay if we need time. Oh, I have my answer. Yep. Okay. You can share Danny. My answer is Porgs. 
Oh my oh. god. Oh. And that's where they came from. What if? But what kind of treatment did they go through? They were actually rocks. Oh jeez. <laughs> oh no. They were just rocks. <laughs> and they gave no, them sentience. Sentient rocks. Yep. <laughs> that is super spooky. <laughs> I'm going to say, say yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Lothcats, absolutely. Nice. I'm going to say that the Empire saw Tycho as this, like, super specimen, a la oh, Captain no, America. Said. Oh, no. Oh, no. And tried to, like, create, like, the super serum to create more of him. But mm-hmm. they just created, like, mutant Tychos that are now out in the world. Mutant Tychos. Oh, oh my God. Oh. Um. Uh, 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 uh. Something. 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 Super Mon Calahatis. Oh my god! Can you imagine Mon Calahatis being any more attractive? Though it's hard. It's rough. Right, but they tried yeah. to anyway, and it backfired. Oh no! And they ended up with just like a six pack of abs. Yeah. Like a twelve pack of abs. They're like, how did you even have that many muscles? Right. And like, I don't. This is what you did. This is your fault. They're too. They're too attractive that they can't even like show themselves in public. Too hot. Oh my god. Everybody. No <laughs> one could resist them. Moncala two hotties. Moncala just two dang hotties. <laughs> Great. Good team effort. Thanks, Danny. <laughs> good, yeah. Good effort. Happy to offer the assists. <laughs> All right, listeners, you got more weirdly hot experiments to tell us about? Hit us up on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Phrasing? If you have any weirdly hot experiments. Not that. (laughs) Just answer the question. That's all we really need. So that's our Twitter, Rogue Podron. Our website is roguepodron.tumblr.com. You can email us at roguepodron at gmail.com and subscribe to us via the Rogue Podron feed on iTunes or the Far Far Away Radio feed on iTunes, Stitcher, FeedBurner, and Google Play. And leave us a nice review. Remember, if you leave us a nice review, we'll read it live on the show and offer you a glistening body just for that. That's all you got to do. Yeah, a whole glistening body. It's pretty easy. Yeah. One whole glistening body. Unless it's a one-star review, then you don't. You get a glistening borgullet. No, it's not even glistening. <laughs> you just get a straight up borgullet. It's just into your house. Attached to your face. I don't know. Some oh, people are really into borgullets. Maybe we shouldn't incentivize one star reviews with borgullets. Yeah. You just get nothing. Nothing get at nothing. all. Meg will make a disdainful noise in your general direction. It's true. It's like just the like worst I, punishment. Just like how I feel about Force User Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be force user Chris. Don't be force user Chris. All right. So next time on Rogue Padron, we'll be X-Wing Solo Command chapters four through six. And until then, this is Rogue Padron signing off. Pash out. Pew, 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 pew. Patch was actually a character in these books. I know, I miss Patch. It was. I miss it's been Pash a while. Days. We haven't seen him since he was, like, just doing his wannabe rogue thing. Right. He's like, oh, I'm in an A-wing. Bye. That's what he does. He just <laughs> he's pashed out. He actually I'm passed out. Boy. Sure did. 
Rogue Leader signing off. Rogue Six signing off. Rogue Seven signing off. Rogue Three signing off. What? I'm just looking ahead. Oh no. Oh, <laughs> oh, I don't no. like that sound. <laughs> Meg. Oh, what's up? I'm scared.